listening to the Yukon Chi Alpha podcast. We're so happy to offer you sermons, interviews, and just spiritual content to help you grow closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, Chi Alpha, I'm here with a good friend of mine, Mike Brown, who's a missionary to Bolivia. Is that right? That's right. Yep. So this is supposed to be your uh, meet a husky, but he's not a husky. So you're just gonna we're gonna call it meet a missionary. Um, this is missions week in uh, nationally in Chi Alpha, and so um, I'll let Mike introduce himself. And uh, welcome to Chia, Mike. Yeah. Hey, it's good to be here. I am Mike Brown. My wife, uh, Polly, and we have two kids, Genevieve Jonah, ages ten and seven. And the closest I can come to Husky is I rooted for them back in the, in the national championship glory days, uh, especially being far away from new England. So I'm from Boston area though. Uh, I'm not going to pretend anything, but yeah, I'm just saying, you know, what is it? 15 championships now we have. So ridiculous. I think we're going to (laughs) win another one this year in the women's. I don't even watch the tournament anymore until, you know, at least the third round. It's like, I even watched Tell me when the celebration is. Yeah. It's just, so that's pretty crazy. So Mike, something we ask our, um, I'm going to start with the, the fun, easy, crazy question first. So we have the sign up sheet on campus and all of our students have to fill out um, when they, for whatever reason, we always ask everybody what their favorite cereal is. I have no idea why it started, but we, it's been, we've been doing it so long at UConn that we just keep doing it. So what is your favorite cereal? Reese's peanut butter puffs nice is that like forever since you were a kid or no when i was a kid it would have been apple jacks i loved apple jacks as a kid uh but probably because my parents didn't let me have reese's peanut butter puffs as a kid but from the moment i first tried them it's been my favorite cereal cool so tell us a little about yourself like you're just you're calling to jesus so when you came to christ calling into ministry like why AGWM, like any, anything in, along those lines, wherever you want to start and that, that you feel comfortable with. Yeah. Like, no, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. My story, I guess everyone's story is unique, right? Unique to them. But uh, I grew up in, in a Christian family. I grew up going to church. It was, it was kind of the thing to do. It's what I knew. It's all I knew. And uh, so I guess my story more had to do with coming, coming to grips with faith on my own, like my faith versus my parents' faith, so to speak, if that makes sense. And, uh, so, so though I, I grew up in the church and, and yeah, I started my relationship with Jesus at a very young age. I just remember going through kind of teenage years and really starting to question on my own of, okay, what do I believe? What is true? What is real? What isn't? Uh, and, and as I said, kind of, kind of taking it from, okay, this is my parents take me to church. So I go to church to, okay, do I want to go to church? Why do I want to go to church? What, what is, what do I really believe? And, uh, for me, I'm just kind of very, I'm kind of very scientifically minded. (laughs) And so I really approach that from, from a more scientific standpoint of just tracing back to, to God in the beginning and what even makes sense for for how we came to be and why we're here and all the big questions that we like to do. And so, so I guess in my, in my teenage years, uh, that's when I really established that. Yeah, I really do just 
believe not only in God, not only in, in a supernatural being, but in God and as we know him through the Bible and uh, in Jesus and, and his sacrifice, uh, his death and his resurrection, that these are real things, not just, you know, Good Friday and Easter that we get off of school and then, you know, enjoy Easter. But uh, yeah, I really believe those are real events, historical events. And and uh, they changed my life and Jesus changed my life. And so that was probably, that's probably where my story is, is the more important one is more the solidifying the faith as far as not more important, but you know what I mean? That's what I, I usually look to. And um, yeah, so when I was young, uh, I felt like ministry was something for me. Uh, there were some missionaries that came and shared when I was nine years old about uh, and, uh, translating a Bible into a language that didn't even exist yet. And uh, <laughs> so I was like, man, that sounds so cool. And again, I just, I always liked languages too. So from that time at age nine, I just, a lot of different things throughout, throughout time really kind of pointed me in that direction to ministry and to missions. And I remember coming back from like, we, we did like a, a trip with my youth group. We went to Detroit or maybe it was when we went to New Jersey, we went to a couple different places. And I just remember we came back from some like inner city work and stuff and just helping people, some real simple ministry ideas. And I just remember coming back and we were supposed to just share like a little bit of, you know, how the trip impacted us. And I basically started preaching and people, you know, were like, Hey, I think, I think there's something to this. I think maybe this is what you're going to do with your life. And so, uh, yeah, it was just lots of those little moments that work together. And, and then I went to, to college for ministry and a few years after serving, uh, working with youth and, and, and kids, uh, my wife and I just felt like missions was the right way to go. It was the only door that was opening for us. And so we signed up, <laughs> I guess it's the easy. <clears throat> yeah. And if that missionary couple is who I think it is, didn't they, they, they actually translated that Bible, right? Yeah, yeah, it is the one you're probably thinking it is. They did translate that Bible. They succeeded a few years ago when they came around with the translated finished version. That was really cool for me. And and they're good friends of ours now. So it's actually really cool that that I get to tell them, you know, that they were already old veteran missionaries when I was a nine-year-old boy. And they came Right, and yeah. And you're not exactly, I yeah. mean, you're young, but you're yeah. not like super young. You're not like a college student. Yeah. So that's how, like, that's the long game of God, right? It is. God loves people. You know, into that answer, uh, that's really cool because my wife, I didn't know this. So when we decided to come to Bolivia, people always ask us that. We were in Costa Rica before when we first started missions and people say, well, why Bolivia though? It's a really good question because I never considered Bolivia in my life. I knew where it was, which is is saying a lot because we encounter a lot of people who don't know where it is. And uh, I knew where it was. And I knew that it was, but I didn't really ever think about it in my life, but God just started putting on my heart, weird things that kept popping up in emails and, and like, uh, on a, I was searching, uh, Google maps once I was like searching for something else. And the, the name of a town Bolivia came up. It was just like all these weird things. It was just like Bolivia every day when I was specifically asking God, God, where do you want us to go? And just Bolivia kept popping up. And so I told my wife, I was like, Hey, I think I know where we're going to go. And she's like, oh, yeah, no, I already know. We're going to Bolivia. And I was like, wait, how did you know that? And uh, when she was seven, 
she first learned about Bolivia. She always wanted to go there. She didn't know that it was as a missionary. She just always wanted to go there. God called her later in life to be a missionary and she hadn't thought of Bolivia. And then someone one day said Bolivia and immediately it was like, God just spoke to her and said, this is what I've been preparing you for, you know? So, uh, yeah, it is the long game. It is like, it's funny because you don't know until you look back, right? <laughs> like, I had no idea at nine that I'd actually be serving on the mission field and have an opportunity, uh, partially, not, not in a great sense, but to be involved in a Bible translation, uh, which is kind of cool. And because uh, that's what like originally sparked my interest. And, and for like a seven-year-old to learn about a country, no big deal. But, but when we landed in Bolivia for the first time, she fulfilled that seven-year-old little girl's dream, you know? And so it's kind of cool how that works out. And you start looking back and you're like, oh, it all makes sense now, you know? <laughs> it didn't all make sense then, but it all makes sense now, so. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Um, we've been kind of talking this since a little bit. We've been going through Galatians and that Abraham, Abraham's calling, right? Like in some ways, like he didn't understand everything he was going through either, but just that faith, yeah. right? To like say, I hear the, I hear the Lord and I'm going to walk in faith in that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, I think you're right. And I think when we, we start looking at it that way too, right. Of like, it's like, it's so easy to want to know, like, especially right. Like I remember when I was in college, like what, what is my future going to look like? I mean, if you told me in college, I was going to be living in Bolivia, I would have thought you were crazy. Right. So like, what does that look like? But I think sometimes we, we try to get so consumed with the big picture of how is everything going to end up? You know, uh, who am I going to marry? How many kids am I going to end up with? Like all these big, big term questions. And we forget that life just happens one step at a time. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, I always like look at it, like when you're walking through the woods at night and you got a flashlight and you, you can, you can try to flash that light off in the distance and see where you're going to exit. But if you do that, and, and you just keep the flashlight looking up like that, you're just going to keep tripping, right? But like, if you keep the light looking down at the step right in front of you and take one step at a time, eventually you're going to make it through to the destination, you know? And that's how I kind of just view life. And so we're still not there yet. Like I, like I wonder sometimes, like what in 30 years while I look back and be like, man, if you told me when I was talking to Gil that this was going to happen in 30 years, I'd have thought you were crazy, you know? So who knows, right? It, it's just that taking that one step, living life one day at a time. And uh, it's a cool way to live. Uh, it's a fun way to live in faith. And that doesn't mean we don't plan for stuff, but we just know that things change. So yeah, yeah I don't know. You didn't plan for this a year and a half ago. The whole like, <laughs> no, I don't think, virtual. <laughs> I think, I mean, obviously God knew about it, but yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know how you plan for a global pandemic with race riots. I don't know that that's ever something that, no. I mean, I want to meet that leader. <laughs> like, yeah, right, right. If they like, have that can I in. sit at that guy's table and learn from him? That'd be great. Um, so Bolivia, what do you guys tell us a little bit about your ministry? Um, you, I know God's put um, passion in your heart for um, some, you know, what you're doing there. And so, first off, I think it would be helpful to describe where Bolivia is, just in case people watching don't know where it is. And then, then yeah. you kind of go off in there like, why does God care about Bolivia? Like, why does Bolivia matter to God? Yeah, yeah, good question. So first of all, Bolivia is 
like dead set in the middle of South America. They'll say it's the heart of South America. So it's one of the two lock land, uh, land, lock land, landlocked nations of South America. So you got Bolivia and, and Paraguay, the two that are not on the ocean. So we're one of those. And uh, we're, we, um, it's, a, it's a country that Spanish is, the, is kind of the main language, but it's not the only language. There's, uh, I think I want to say it's about 60% indigenous people still live there. And so there's a lot of uh, other languages spoken there, the main ones being uh, Quechua, Aymara and Guarani uh, are the other three main languages. And uh, so it's a really fun, unique place that does have a lot of different culture. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's a cool place. And I know like, it's really cool when, when Jesus had an opportunity to kind of declare his mission, right? He, he started his declaration in Luke 4. Uh, by saying the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And that line right there really grabs a hold of our hearts. And, um, and we just look at that as the word poor, I've kind of done some, some research and study into this. And, and that word poor is like, not just economically poor, although it includes the economically poor, but it's kind of anyone who's marginalized outcast by society, the people who aren't otherwise kind of included. And, um, and so we look at that and we're like, we're like, man, like, who are those people? And they're everywhere, right? There, there, there are those people in the U.S. who are marginalized, cast aside. They matter. They have the same value to God as anyone else. But the question isn't what their value is to God, because that's a guarantee. They matter to God. God sent Jesus to die for them, just like he sent Jesus to die for everyone. The father sent the son. And, and so the values there because they were created in the image of God. We're all created in the image of God. We have value, right? So the question isn't a question of the value um, for God's eyes, but, but it's other people who don't necessarily see that value, even though it's there, it's not necessarily seen by others oftentimes. And so for us, like I said, I mean, God just kind of put Bolivia in our hearts. Uh, I guess my whole philosophy comes down to, there's a, there's a, a parable, a story in Luke 15, eight to 10. It talks about the lost coin. It says that a woman, if she has 10 lost coins, doesn't she, you know, light the lamp and search, seek diligently, sweep the house, looking for the lost coin until she finds it. She calls her neighbors and says, come rejoice with me. I found that which was lost. And so it is in heaven before the angels of God for one sinner who repents and or something along those lines. That's the Mike Brown paraphrase. But, but that's, that story captures my heart because again, talking about the coin, right? The coin has value. A lost coin has value. A coin doesn't lose its value because it's lost, right? It, it, it always just has its value. A coin loses its ability to fulfill the purpose for which it was created. You can't spend a lost coin, right? And so, and so that's our whole mindset in life is there just all of us, all of us were lost coins at one point. Mm -hmm. And our value comes from the fact that God created us, but we still need to fulfill our purpose for being created which is to worship God, which is to give ourselves back to God, which is to accept uh, uh, Jesus as the Lord and Savior of our lives, right? And, and however else we can kind of word that in, in that journey of faith. And so, so people need that opportunity to know what Jesus did for them too. And so if we look at that story, the, the story doesn't carry much more meaning than that, right? The woman kind of represents God who's searching for the lost coin and, and the lost coin represents people who haven't yet confessed Jesus as their Lord. But 
but like I was thinking one day, like, who am I in that story? And so while I think that in the actual parable, I, I'm probably no one in that story. What I identify with in that story is the broom, right? Because the broom is just an instrument in the master's hands in search of the lost coins. And so for me, it's like, God is the one who saves people. God is the one who can change and alter our lives. Mm. I can't do that for anyone, but I can be an instrument that God uses in that process. I can be someone who can shine and show the love of Christ to someone else and to show uh, what, what God, who God is and what God wants to do for them. And so for us, it's just like, I'm in Bolivia because God chose to sweep with us in Bolivia, you know, if we're the broom, uh, whereas there's still need in the U.S., whereas there's need all over the world. But I guess that is the answer is, is everywhere matters to God still. And it's just cool to see that he still calls people from all over the place to, to go and still search for those lost coins. And so in our ministry that we do there, we look at like, who are the ones that no one's really trying to reach who are the ones that no one's really looking at and then the number one area that we see for that in in the ministry that we work with is the deaf that's actually uh, something that is true around the world there's so many deaf i have a friend who's a missionary in ecuador uh, joel marbet who says there are millions of deaf in latin america who have never heard the good news not because they cannot hear but because nobody has brought it to them and that challenges me like the issue isn't that they're deaf. The issue is that no one has taken the time to bring them this message in the language they do have, which for them in Bolivia is Bolivian sign language and uh, or in whatever country their sign language. And so we've we've learned Bolivian sign language. And I mean, thankfully, there are some other missionaries who've done that in the past, but it's very few. And there's still so many who have yet to even have an opportunity uh, to hear that. And so for us, that challenges us, that compels us, that love that you talk about. God does love Bolivia. He put it on our hearts. He put the people on our hearts. And, uh, and he said, hey, are you willing to be obedient? Are you willing to be the broom? Are you willing to be used? And so if we just give ourselves to God and say, yeah, whatever it is you want, I think he'll show us what that is. And as we take that each individual step, kind of as I was talking about before, it'll all make sense in the end as we're just walking lockstep in lockstep with God. And, and thankfully, when we take the wrong step, he's kind of there to help guide us, <laughs> nudge us back on track. But yeah, so that's kind of, I guess, our whole philosophy in general in life is just like, man, if, if God wants to sweep with me in a different country and move us, then so be it, I guess we'll go. And so right now it's Bolivia. Will it be the U.S. again sometime? I don't know. Will it be another country sometime? I don't know. But as long as we feel like it's in Bolivia, we just want to be an obedient, willing broom. So, uh, and right now with a main focus of kind of the, the deaf coins, so to speak, <laughs> those who, who are deaf. And, uh, and, and by the way, my wife's parents are deaf. So that was a culture and an understanding uh, that we did have going into it is, is my wife grew up in deaf culture. And so that was something that was kind of easier to navigate as a result. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, right? God takes us through things sometimes to then use us on the other side of that. Not that that's a negative thing we're going deaf culture. negative but but there are certain i'm sure there were certain limitations and frustrations at times for hearing because your wife is hearing right yeah yeah so yeah there's gonna be some frustrations in that family relationship at times 
not always, but at times. And so it's interesting how God's, you know, used that in you guys' life to like open up a whole new world of compassion and um, because for that community that he loves. That's awesome, man. Yeah. That's really cool. It 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 is it's it's cool that God I mean again it's kind of like the the questions answering itself in a way but like it's it's it just shows me that God does love them right because like why else would God put them on the heart of someone so many you know miles thousands of miles away right like like how cool that is and if and if he's doing that in that side then like in in whose heart is is he putting me on or did he put me on or does he still put me on? And he does like, cause we get, we'll get like emails or messages from people like, Hey, you know, you came to my heart this morning. We're just praying for you. And, mm-hmm. and we might be going through something and it's like, wow, that's so cool. Like to be part of community of a community that, that loves so deep like that in that, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of fun. It's, we, it's different. <laughs> yeah. You and I were talking about that the other day, just to think being missionaries, um, I think we, we have a, you know what, we have a unique opportunity in that, right? I think we get to experience that love of Christ because we're a little bit more centered in people's and churches' minds than I think other, other people do. And I think the other people are being prayed for by their friends in their church and they just don't know it. We don't always communicate that, right? But we get those like notes and those things that are going on. And so I think we uh, have a different understanding sometimes as missionaries of, of, um, of that prayer community that is the church like we feel it deeper i think because maybe it's because we're moving away from home and we're doing all these different things that are different and other people have family around them and maybe god reminds people i don't know i'm just thinking out loud but i do know that we like it's a, that's true like i get those same things like I, I mean i'm like you get a handwritten note if you get those right from just some random member of a church but if you want to bless a missionary write them a note we don't even need your money just write us a note yeah. Like I will be crying at my table. It's crazy. Churches have those. We have a church in Maryland that every year since every single one of their missionaries, they have sponsors and in the community, you know, in their congregation. Right. And they just write a note. And sometimes they send a gift card, you know, but, but just like, they could just send the note. That's amazing. And what if we did that for our people in our community? It's like at a local level. Yeah. Encouraging. Uh, I, you're so right. I, 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 I've said that before, like, man, like, yeah, pray, you know, pray for missionaries. Yeah. Like when I'm in a church, but I'm like, man, pray for each other. Cause, cause the other people in the church that, you know, they're going and, and doing whatever God's put on their heart this week and whoever they're going to share with. And like, they need that prayer too. Right. So that, again, that's the benefit when we do that well as community, I think we win, right? Like, I think we're always better off when we do it well. And I, I look, I'm not perfect at it myself either, right? So I'm not saying we always, you know, we always hit the mark, but man, I think it's so cool when we do. And you're right. It's not that it's not necessarily happening elsewhere, but sometimes they just don't think to tell someone else, you know, and just kind of you take it for granted. Yeah, and, uh, I think it is happening. Yeah. I, I believe. Yeah, I think so. So if you were to, um, so you, I think you know this, Kyle, Alpha, we have every student gives, goes, prays, and welcomes. Um, so how would you encourage most of our students that might be watching this, or at least they're heavily involved, are grad students, a few grad students that are in different majors, um, and then we have a whole lot of undergrads, and they're all 
okay, high level thinkers, how, how would you encourage them to level, you know, to leverage, like, what are some things they can do practically to just think about engaging the, the greater world of God? So not just where they're at, obviously at a place like UConn, they're in a very strategic place, but God's bigger than just that strategic place. And there, some of these students are coming, are actually coming from all over the world. Like we have Africans and um, European students. And so um, different backgrounds there, but, but how do they engage? Like who, who, as a missionary, as someone who's done that and lived that out, how would you, how would you encourage them in one of those areas of giving, going, praying, or, or maybe you want to go through them all, leave it up to you. Yeah. No, no, it's good. I think, I think it's important for us to understand that, uh, that we all do have to participate in every level, right? I think, I think the areas that we focus on are different based on whatever God's calling us to do. Again, how is God calling us to be a broom, right? So like we're going back to that analogy, but just um, the idea that you know, it might look different for, for different ones of us because that's how real life works, right? We, we all have our role. We all have the things we do. No one's above it. No one's beyond. It's like a team, right? We were talking about the great, the great UConn teams and it's like, they, they work so well because they work as a team. There was a lot of good individual talent, but, but at the end of the day, it was, it was, they're coming together as a team. And, um, and so I just think, I think it's that understanding first that we do have to participate in them all. And like as a missionary, right, the give part, it, we, as missionaries, we just don't say, hey, give to me. That would be like so backwards, right? We believe we have a responsibility to give too. So like of finances, we support other missionaries. It's, so it's do we. imperative. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you, don't you think it would be kind of weird if a missionary, like, I'm not trying to put anyone on blast, but like, if there's a missionary who doesn't support another missionary, wouldn't you kind of feel like that's weird? It's like, like you ask other people to do it. Like you say you believe in it. And I think most missionaries do. Most missionaries I know do. Like, I don't think that there's most who don't. I think most do, if not all. I, I mean, I don't know everyone's personal thing, but yeah. So just to, to share that, that missionaries, we're not just like, hey, give, give, give to me give goes both ways. And so we believe um, in giving too. And, uh, and it's, it's something it is the it is probably the easiest way we can all get involved. Giving is hard sometimes from a sacrificial standpoint, right? Like giving can be hard when it's hard to pay the bills, and it's hard to do different things. I get that giving can be challenging, but it's really still probably like the easiest um, way that we have in that praying is is not necessarily hard to do either, but, but I just think like, like someone said, you know, the, I don't know, like the least we can do is pray. And then I've heard someone say like, no, the most we can do is pray. <laughs> like the least we can do is give. And, and I just kind of like that. So, so that is one area, right. Of giving. And I think sometimes we have to get out of the mindset of like, like as though that somehow like has an amount behind it. Like, Oh, if you don't give this much, does it really count? Like, I think, in society, giving is like often measured by a dollar amount, but in God's society, it's not right. It's measured by the heart that gives. And so just the mindset of saying like, I don't know, I don't know that if it's going to make a huge difference, but I just feel on my heart, I'm going to give, you know, this five bucks or whatever it is. Uh, I think that makes a real difference. I think when we, we always invest in the things we believe in the most. And so if we really believe 
in missions than we would invest in it financially. That's my, like a personal, again, this is a personal belief of mine. If I'm going to say that I believe in it, then I need to invest in that. And so um, I think everything in life that works outside of the church too, we invest in the things we believe in. So, so I think whether that's time, whether that's money, I think that's all talking about investing. And so money is one part of that in the giving. Um, but like, like the idea of everyone praise again, that's an easy thing to do, right? We, we can find time if we want to, for anything in our life, again, about the investing. So praying, that's probably one of the things God used a lot in my life before he called me to be a missionary. It was when I really began to make praying for missions, not just missionaries, but for the people around the world who need Jesus. As I began to pray for missions and missionaries, God really used that uh, in my life to finally like, okay, like he was preparing me. Like, if you're not sold out for it in prayer, then I can't use you. You know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, he could use us, but you know what I mean? Like, it was just that feeling like how effective could I be? And so I think we need to incorporate prayer in every element of our life. But I think it, when we look at the big picture and look beyond ourselves, prayer is a great way to do that. And just to um, clarify, I, I think here, the go thing. I was just yeah. going to say, just to clarify and specifically, you're talking about intercessory prayer for the world, right? Yeah. I'm talking about intercessory prayer for the world around us for um yeah for anyone and everyone who's who's in need you know it, like i think it's easy for us to think to pray for ourselves when we have needs right like like i think our short prayers are usually personal for ourselves right it's the make it make it somehow come all to my mind but like i mean intercessory prayer where we're praying for someone else where we're praying on the on behalf of someone else and uh, just bringing their needs to God. Not, not, not worried about, yeah, we can ask God to provide my needs. Like I can ask God to provide my needs and there's value in that. But, but I think we take another level leap in our faith with God when we begin to just pray for the needs of others. And so I guess, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And, and how do we meet their needs? And one of them is through missions. One of them is through whatever. And so we pray and even, and even prayer leads to the go part, because when we're really praying for the needs of others, sometimes God's going to say, Hey, you're the solution they need. Right. So that might be, you're the solution they need, give this offering, or it might be, you're the solution they need. You go talk to that student over there, or it may mean you're the solution they need. Get up and go on a, on a, on a missions trip and serve in another country for a week, for a month, for a year. Or it may mean, you know, you're part of the solution, join this person's, you know, team who's already in that country, or whatever it could look like, hand them a meal, tell them about Jesus. Like, I think it's, it's when we involve ourselves in prayer, that the others find their focus. So that's when we know what to give to whom to give, where to go, and how to go. And, uh, and obviously, uh, the everyone welcomes parts too, is just a kind of that whole part I was talking about in the